This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Chris Burnett and Brandon Boykin. Not Kip and Rusty. These two, much better looking, much more mm-hmm. talented. Uh, I don't know about more talented. They're talented in their own ways. Uh, but they're going to be joining me today, and, and this is this is the podcast. This is today's Junkyard Dogcast. I got these two guys on for a reason. Um, outside of the fact that they're just real good human beings and uh, former Georgia players, uh, we wanted to talk about what they've got going on. And without wasting any more of your time, uh, Chris, what is going on with you guys? What You guys have your own podcast going under further review. Uh, tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, Jake, thank you for having us on. It's, it's definitely a pleasure. Um, yeah, we started a podcast. We launched it about four weeks ago now. Um, it's called Under Further Review, like you said. And really, we're, we're hitting on the gambit. We're not just talking about sports, but we're talking about culture and faith and also uh, entrepreneurship because we, we care about all those things, kind of the whole picture of, of a former athlete. Um, and we're excited about it. You can find this uh, on our website, underfurtherreviewpodcast.com. And also, obviously, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So Twitter is UFR Pod, and, and Instagram and Facebook is uh, – under further review podcast so super excited we actually have a new episode dropping today so um glad to, to be able to hop on and, and share a little bit about it for the uga diehards out there what are you up to these days what, what's what's life like for chris burnett now that football's over yeah uh man i am knee deep in selling chicken that that is my uh mo now i went from i guess uh being a part of the the dog pound the dog nation to all about chicken day in, day out. So I'm working for Chick-fil-A, Inc., uh, on the corporate side, doing um, really our real estate and development work uh, up in the Northeast. So I'm, I'm specifically working in that New York and New England market and really loving it, man. Uh, hopefully I'll be there for the rest of my working career. Uh, if not, they'll have to drag me out by my feet out the front door. But uh, for now, that, that's what I'm doing. So. Now, Brandon, you're working with the SEC Network uh Tell me, tell me real quick how you came to start a podcast with not only a lineman, but an offensive lineman, all right? And, and kind of what, what, what life's looking like for you right now. Uh, yeah, man. So, so, so the way that this uh, podcast came about with Chris is, uh, like, we're, we're actually really, really good friends. Um, and, that, and that was established kind of uh, probably my senior year. Uh, wasn't it my junior year? And then, uh, yeah, your junior I, I, year. 
Yeah, our wives actually ended up becoming really good friends. So even like once we were done playing and, you know, our careers went separate ways and, and Chris went to the NFL on this, you know, this side and I went here, uh, we still kind of stuck together and, and our wives were pivotal in that. But me and Chris are, are good friends, man, got a lot in common, uh, hang out all the time. And we were just, we have conversations every day about unique stuff, you know, outside of the football realm and, and have a lot of friends that do a lot of different things. And we were like, man, we should, we should talk about this and start a podcast and, and highlight all of this stuff, man. And, and then, you know, we, we just were talking about it and, and, and we were like, we, we got to put it into action. So now here we are doing it. And uh, um, it's cool to see it, you know, come to fruition and people are really like watching it and paying attention to it and, and putting uh, some good content and good substance out. So uh, that's kind of how it came together. And we're just trying to let it grow organically, man. And, and, and uh, you know, talk about a lot of different things. Cause I know for even, even for you, Jake, you probably want to know what guys are doing these days after they finish playing football. That's a lot of people doing a lot of different things that you know people wouldn't expect. So we, we try to give people that platform to talk and, 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 you know, have that type of, uh, you know, substance on our show. Well, you know, I, one of the things, you know, following it from the fan side, like we do and, and interacting with as many fans as we do. One of the things you hear so much is, you know, this guy, Listen, I'm, I'll always be a fan of this guy. He'll be successful no matter what he does. I think you guys both fall under that category, and I think everybody knew that early on. I wasn't even covering Georgia. I was coaching high school football when uh, when you guys were uh, were in school at Georgia. But, you know, I, I did follow the team, and, and you guys always had the best reputation. I've talked to people about you for years that have kind of known you. I ran into KG, uh, Canaris Gates, a little while back. And I uh, was talking to him about uh, about everybody, and, and he brought you two up, um, you know. So y'all y'all come highly recommended, just as people in general. Um, but but I wanted to start kind of fast, I guess. It's fast for me because I've always been interested in this. I've never had a chance to ask a player, especially a former player, that may be a little bit more apt to speak out about this. Uh-oh. But, uh, Power Ranger uniforms, <laughs> man. All right, uh, Chick-fil-A <laughs> kickoff against Boise State. We won't talk about the result of that game. But, man, wh- what did players think about those uniforms? I, st- I guess I'll start with you, Chris. Wh- what did y'all think about those things? I will say this. Uh, when they first announced them, so, like, I'll paint the scene. We're in a team meeting. You know, it's the whole squad together uh, in the team meeting room. And Coach Rubik's like, hey, we got a surprise for you guys. And in bus, Brandon and Aaron with the uniforms on, the, the pro combat uniforms on, and the room explodes with excitement because we're so happy that we have a new uniform uh, to, to be able to wear. And honestly, at that time, we, we thought it was, was pretty dope. I, I'm not even going to lie to you. But I think as time progressed and when we got ready to play the game, I think we noticed that uh, some of the sizes weren't exactly right. Um, <laughs> So it was by the time we started playing and kind of warming up against Boise State, uh, I think a lot of guys noticed their cleats were too big. Um, I noticed that my uh, actual jersey was made like two or three levels too thick. So I've never sweated more in my entire life. Uh, but I guess looking back, we, we definitely look like Power Rangers. But in the moment when it was announced, we were super excited about it. But I guess it's kind of a, a mark on our uh, uniform history because we have such a storied history there with the black uniforms and the the silver britches and everything. But I, I kind of look upon it fondly because that was also my first game ever. So, 
one day I'll get up the nerve to uh, poll Georgia fans and find out which one they which which inter because Georgia fans didn't like them. I mean, nine out of ten Georgia yeah. fans didn't like them. But I'll yeah. get the I'll get the courage to poll whether they like those or the ones that uh, I guess it was two thousand nine you wore against Florida with the black helmets. And, uh, oh, and the white jeans yeah. and the black pants. They didn't like yeah. those either. Yeah. So, man, they were uh, equally as awful, probably. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you like this, Jake. We lost that Boise game because of the uniforms, bro. Not because we weren't ready to play. Like we <laughs> we lost it. We lost the game because the uniforms were too big. And, and to what Chris said, like Coach Rick, uh, he I never forget. He called me in the office. Me and Aaron in the office. He showed us like a rendering of the of the jerseys or whatever you're like they're, they're gonna be here this week and we have mapped this plan out right to show everybody so we put the uniforms on and we bust into the meeting like chris said that was the only time we ever wore the uniforms before we put them on in in the georgia dome like that was the only time and so so we put the uh uniforms on for the game my helmet too big my my cleats are like two sizes too big i got three pairs of socks on it just was like it was uncomfortable and uh, I don't even know if you remember, Chris, like the first kickoff, both of my cleats fell off and I had to, I had <laughs> no. to take a knee. I had to take a knee because my <laughs> shoes fell off. So like, oh, yeah, man, the, the uniforms played a big part in us losing that game. But uh, I actually liked them. I like the switch up. Um, I, I like the helmet. I wish I would have kept that helmet. Um, I, I need if, if you yeah. know where I can get it, Jake, let me know. I, I need I need to find one of those helmets. I do not. I do not. I feel like I feel like I don't need to be associated with those. Uh, you know, I, I, it's, you got you when you do what I do. You got to have a little credibility, and uh, you got to know your audience too. And it's not like I got all these big problems right. with them. I thought the helmet was pretty cool too. Uh, you know, and there was all those rumors like going into the game because uh, you know they had been. You know, fans had seen them at that point, and there was all this like tribute to Eric Russell with the red red stripe down the middle and the blood on yeah. his head and stuff like that. But um, you, you, I'll say this about you, Brandon: it did not look like you were wearing cleats that were too big on that jet sweep. Uh, yeah, yeah, so you, exactly. You did, you did get that started kind of quick. So Chris had Chris had the uh, Chris had the lead block for me to uh, to score right there. He. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a much bigger story. Y'all have to check out episode two of Under Further Review. We literally talked about this play. I had the lead block, the key block on that play, and I literally blocked nobody. I just looked around. I fell on the ground, and Brandon was so good, he made me right. So uh, y'all have to check out episode two. We definitely talk about that story for sure. O-line coach I used to work with used to call that pitching a no-hitter. So that's uh, right. When, when that lineman, yeah, exactly. I'm sure that's probably a pretty common turn. I don't know if Will Friend used that on you back in the day <laughs> or not, but uh, um, he did. Let, let's let's kind of shift a little bit to kind of y'all's playing days, staying with your playing days and everything. Um, one of the things I always like, you know, having coached a little bit and uh, you know, covering all these coaches and knowing coaches, I want to know what was the biggest character you guys had a chance to play for? Not necessarily your position coach or your head coach. But who was Chris? Who was the biggest like character on the Georgia coaching staff when you were there? And Brandon may, may have the same guy because you know you guys were there. You know they all overlapped so much. I think what one year difference, right? Uh, y'all yeah. came in in consecutive classes. Yeah, yeah, it was a two year difference because he came in a year early and I redshirted and he didn't because he was elite. Um, so I, I got oh, that extra year in there. But uh, 
but it was I, I would have to say, and I would be surprised if Brandon said somebody different. It was Coach Fab. Coach Fab is one of those guys who has a reputation for being just different. Uh, he just yeah. was odd. I, I didn't have a lot of interaction with him. Um, but actually, my first interaction with him with him was when I was a ninth grader in high school. I went to the Georgia football camp. I was actually a defensive lineman, so I was we're doing defensive end drills with Coach Fab, and I'll never forget just how how bizarre he was. A lot of this stuff that he said, I can't repeat on camera or off camera. <laughs> but he he had a a, a, a personality that you you couldn't help but either love or hate uh because he he never had a filter at all but i'd have to say coach fab was like the most boisterous most kind of out there guy that we had at our time during the time we had at georgia for sure yeah for me it was um coach fab was a character for sure but for me i'd probably say grantham because um, I spent a lot of time with Todd Grantham on the defensive side of the ball. And he had came, he he had just came from the NFL. He was he was coaching for the Cowboys. And so like my junior year, we weren't that great. I think we ended up like eight and five or something like that. And um like anytime we would mess up or something, he he chilled on film and he'd be like cussing us out and telling us he was gonna cut us. Like, I'm gonna cut you, I'm gonna cut you. Like I'm gonna cut you from the team. And we were like, <laughs> like <laughs> That ain't your decision, man. Cutters, right? <laughs> like, and then I remember Coach Rick telling him, like, you, you got to stop saying you're going to cut their plate. He's the time, I'm going to cut your plate. I'm going to cut your plate. Like, bro, we are on scholarship. You can't cut us. Like, you <laughs> you have no right. other choice. But, man, he cuts us out every day, like every single day. But I ended up, you know, uh, developing, like, a really, really good relationship with Grantham. Um, like, as long as you were – he wanted people that were prepared, right? He came from the NFL, so – he taught you how to prepare like a pro. And uh, I think, you know, after that season, we all kind of uh, learned to do that. We had the best year we possibly had. Well, my senior year, 2011, we lost two straight and then ended up winning 10 straight to go to the, the SEC championship. So, man, that was, a lot of that uh, attributed to, to Grantham, but he was definitely one of those dudes that didn't, he didn't play at all. He would cuss you out in a second, no matter what. And and obviously, you know the fickle nature of it all. I mean, first three three years in in Athens, the dude hung the moon. I know we had him come speak uh, uh, at the Blind Pig for National Signing Day when I worked for a, another outlet. I think it was the first one he was there. Most popular guy in the in, in the in Athens. I mean, he was coming yeah. in replacing the defensive yeah. staff. Y'all had a really good defense in eleven. Y'all are really good again in twelve. Um, I'm sure you know that he would have loved to have Brandon around for 12. Uh, that would have been that would have been real big for y'all. Um, but and yeah. then you know rough year in 13, gone in 14. Now he coaches for Florida and he's on wanted posters. And yeah, yeah. so you know that's just the way it goes. And uh, Jeremy Pruitt same way. I mean you know after being the head coach at Tennessee and being on the other sideline for that national championship game and everything, that's just kind of how it goes. And um, you know it's 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 kind of funny. Um, you know, I wonder, and it's, it, this is kind of a different topic altogether. And I told you guys before we started talking, I, I wanted to kind of mushroom off some different stuff. But, you know, I wonder with, with what's going on now, you're going to see players have that same thing with the transfer portal and the one-year free transfer. I mean, you've already seen it maybe a little bit with some fans, with, with Justin Fields a little bit. I mean, yeah. is, that, is that stuff like – I mean, obviously you guys didn't have to go through that. You play for the same team your whole career, but putting yourself in a player's shoes, is that something that 
that is impossible to block out, you think, these days? Or, or, or are players able to block that kind of thing out? Well, are you referring to just coaches transferring and you want to No, no, I, I'm talking about the players kind of getting the coaches treatment, kind of become going from, hey, this guy signed, this guy played as a freshman for us, then he transfers, he's he's able to play right, right away, all of a sudden he's he's on the wanted poster. He's the hated man. Are y'all able to uh, – you think players are going to be able to block that out? Uh, I think the, the best players will. I mean, you, you kind of got no choice, right? I mean – when you talking when you talk about playing in the SEC specifically, like this closest thing you're gonna get to the NFL. So so the heckling, uh, the stress, the preparation, it's all gonna be pretty much the same if you want to perform at that high level. Um, but but on the other side of that, man, I'm all for it, dude. You know, transferring and going to another school and being able to play right away because you only get a small window of time where you can maximize this talent to you know potentially get to the next level because that's what we all want to do. And, and sitting out, you know, for whatever reason, because you decide to transfer, I just feel like that that's a detriment. Um, so, yeah, if you transfer and you go to another school, that's what's going to come with it. And, and, and obviously, you know, somebody like uh, Justin Fields benefited from transferring and playing and, and doing amazing things. Um, but that's what's going to come with it, the stress and, and, and the heckling. But, uh, you know, it's going to be like that at the next level. So, hey, take it all in stride. Yeah, I, I think, Brandon, you're right when it comes to the best ones will be able to ignore it. But I will say that it's probably harder now than ever um, for players to be able to block out all the noise. Like I remember uh, Twitter came out in 2009. That was my freshman year. And it, it wasn't as popular as it is now. But I think the thing that Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and every social media platform known the man has shown us is that everybody has an opinion um, and you don't have to actually have any knowledge or be informed to, to have one. You have to have that in order to have a respected opinion, uh, but you don't need, you know, the knowledge or uh, context in order to have one. So it just comes with the territory. I think it, it makes it a little um, interesting uh, because like you said, Brandon, when you're in the SEC, it's the closest thing to professional ball. You kind of, take that with the territory. But the one thing I will say is I struggle with um, I, I struggle with the ability to transfer without a year out, um, not because I don't think it's fair, because I think it is fair. Coaches can leave and, and transfer and go to another school and work immediately. And if a college student can transfer from their school and start taking classes immediately, what makes it different? But But I do hate the fact that that's kind of become the norm um, and that some guys will take the easy way out instead of kind of grinding it out with their squad, the guys that they kind of have built as a band of brothers. So I feel like I'm torn. I'm in between when it comes to guys having that ability because it definitely makes it a lot easier to, to say, hey, I'm, it's not going my way. I'm out of here if you don't have to sit out. So I understand the, the deterrent, but I also, you know, I'm always about empowering players. So. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way about it as a parent, right? Because, um, you know, I remember, you know, I, I, I like playing basketball, but more in a fun way. I, I don't think I've ever played in a real five-on-five -five basketball game in my life. You know, it was more of like a one-on-one -on -one sport for me growing up. But I, I went out for basketball in eighth grade. I wanted to quit. My dad wouldn't let me quit. He said, you quit once, it's going to be easier to quit again. Um, yeah. I'm all about empowering the players and, and, you know, I get the whole coach thing, even though, you know, they do have these hefty buyouts that, that have to be paid and all that stuff. I mean, they still get to move on. They still don't lose the, right. they still don't lose the resource of time 
like, like, you know, Brandon talked about, you've got a condensed amount of time where you're able to do something and coaches don't lose that. Um, they lose something they've got already plenty of most of them and that's money. And oftentimes it's the school that pays that buyout. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I, you know, I'm sure y'all played with guys who probably said after practice, after a tough practice, after a tough workout, after, you know, a team run or whatever that was like, I'm out, man. I don't want to come back. And and then if they had yeah. a portal, yeah. well, all they had to do was notify the coach and they knew they were going to be able to play right away. You've probably got a half dozen, maybe more teammates that you don't finish your career with. And, uh, you know, I get where those coaches are coming from. You know, there's kind of a balance you've got to strike there. And, but it's all, also one of those things I think there's probably um, no real easy answer to. How prevalent was that? It was, you know, and obviously not, not look for any names. I know of guys that tried to transfer from Georgia before the portal and didn't and ended up being really, really good football players. Um, yeah. What, how prevalent was that? How, how often did you hear, man, I'm out of here. I got to go. I got, I got to get closer to home. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'm done with football, whatever. How, how often did, did y'all hear that? Yeah. You, you I mean, heard it every day in February. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say that. during bat drills. If you weren't saying I'm not coming back, you weren't doing Matt drills right. So that that's my answer. But what would you think, Brandon? I was gonna say you heard it a lot, though. You heard it a lot, but I I think the difference is, you know, like there's guys that want to transfer because you know it's hard or or the coach yelling at them or something like that. Like those those dudes didn't pan out no no matter where they went, right? And then there's there's guys that are transferring because they see the writing on the wall that they might just not get on the field or, you know, the coach that recruited them left. So I, I feel like there's a difference, right? If, if you want to transfer because, you know, you get yelled at and you can't take it and you feel like, you know, this dude don't like you, then you pro you're not you probably not going to play nowhere. So go ahead and transfer because you weren't going to see the field here. No way. But, I mean, there are situations right. that I feel like when – you know, a dude that's been recruiting you for two years just straight up lied to you, and now he's going to dip to another school, and you got to establish yourself with a whole other coaching staff. And, and uh, like, that's a real thing. Like, the chemistry might not be there. So, uh, by all means, I think, you know, that's a situation where you should be able to leave and, and maybe, maybe uh, you know, go and evaluate what you want to do and play again. Um, but because, like I said, you know, you only got three or four years, and timing is everything. Like, timing and recruiting classes, that's all right. of that stuff matters. To get on that field, so uh, it, it's it's a it's a tricky situation. But for me, empowering the players, if you if you want to play right away, I'm all for you trying to find that situation. Well, I'll say this: no matter how many coaches, I've heard players say it. I've heard many many fans say it. You commit to the school, not the coach. That that's just not that's not the way it's ever going to work. It's about relationships. Right. It's about yep. you know you're looking that's for right. a fit, and the coaches are part of that fit. And that's a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, let's pause for a break here real quick. Going to pay some bills, get some ads in here. And then uh, on the other side, I want to talk about this current Georgia football team because I feel like you two have some insight you can probably provide as to what the 2021 team um, could, uh, could look like and, and the mm-hmm. dynamic there. Yeah. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With Fuel Cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. Uh, Brandon, we'll start with you here real quick um, because I think you got some insight here because um, obviously you're with the SEC Network and you played defensive back. That's yeah. where Georgia's holes at in 2021. Lost their top four cornerbacks. One of them started at the star. You were a star. Um, nickel guy at Georgia and uh and then you know they they lost two more guys you know or I guess one more guy who who just played star and Mark Webb um mm-hmm. what 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 do you think about what's you know kind of where things are headed for Georgia obviously a really talented roster really talented group of defensive backs but experience yeah where did, how do you weigh that uh experience is, is huge man that's is often overlooked because people think you know because you got five star guys coming in you got these top recruiting classes that it's just gonna mess together right away, right? And that, and that just doesn't happen. Like there's no replacement uh, for that experience. And like you said, Mark Webb and, and Campbell and 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 uh, all the guys that are leaving, like they're gonna have some some probably some growing pains. But the, the thing that's gonna benefit them is like is this schedule that they're gonna play next year. I think this schedule is probably one of the uh, friendliest schedules I'll say uh, in a while. Like like. And we all know that this is a quarterback league now. Like college football is a quarterback driven league. And they've got that. They've got that. They've got the receivers. They've got the firepower offensively. Um, and, and usually, in, in my experience, defense is the is the thing that's that's first to kind of come and kind of level out your offense as they get it together. But I think for Georgia next year, like they've they've got the consistency and experience on the offensive level. So they might be able to score points and and, and stick with people. Um, you know, why they kind of figure that out because the schedule is friendly. So, uh, yeah, well, they probably have some growing pains next year with some young guys, probably freshmen playing. Uh, yeah, probably so. Um, but, I, but I'll say the schedule is, is, is favorable for them to, to, to grow with those while the offense kind of carries them, in my opinion. You, uh, I can tell you played in the SEC because you had two chances to call that schedule easy, and you didn't call it yeah. easy either time. <laughs> favorable, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I can't remember the other words you used. Friendly. Friendly. Friendly, that was it, yeah. So I, I can tell you played in the SEC because you <laughs> that, had two that's, chances that's to do it. That's TV training for you. You know, not, you, can't, you can't call it easy. It's never easy. And, and plus, that, the SEC never. they had this year, you know. They everybody played an SEC only schedule this year. So right. so even for Georgia to, to, to win 10, 10, 11 games, I mean, like, bro, that is unbelievable. Right. In an SEC only schedule, you saw teams week in and week out that looked amazing. And then the next week couldn't score a point. Like you saw Mississippi State early on last year. Everybody thought that they were, you know, they had reinvented football and threw the ball a hundred times a game and and it ended up, you know, just flopping. So man, you never know what team's gonna show up to play in the SEC. So uh, yeah, it, 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 the schedule is friendly and favorable, but but like like you said, it, it could also be totally different. Yeah, and then you look at it too with ten Power Five teams on there, uh, ten out of twelve, and then UAB being the group of five, and they're an FCS team. It's uh, it, it's not like the attempt wasn't made. Uh, it's just kind of how things fell, and, and that's going to happen to you, uh, Chris. I, I wanted to talk with you because you know you remember that 2011 offensive line, and and the talk coming into that season was the biggest offensive line in football. Like y'all apparently yeah. were 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 a, a heavier than any NFL or college offensive line. Georgia has gone. Georgia 
got away from that for a little bit. I, don't know, I mean, I don't even know if any of that's intentional, but Sam Pittman came in and wanted big offensive linemen. And, and you know, he yeah. not only did he f- focus on weight, but he kind of focused on, you know, the 6'5", the 6'6", you know, the tackle-type bo- bodies at least. Um, yeah. They, they've lightened up a little bit. But what did you think about the way Georgia played on the O-line this past year, the guys coming back, and, and how good they can be this year? Yeah, um, man, you said a lot. I, I think back to that 2011 season and remember how big we were, you know, just across the board, like Cordy Glenn, Canarius Gates slash Dallas Lee, Ben Jones, myself, Justin Anderson. I was the runt of the litter. I was the smallest one. Uh, and hearing you say, like, kind of the way that when Sam Pittman joined, they kind of went away from smaller linemen. I don't think they would have recruited me uh, because I would, you know, being six, two and a half, they would have said, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he fits the field. Um, but I, I think that there is something to be said for not just the size of the linemen that George has been bringing in lately, but the quality of them. I mean, you think about over the years, uh, you have guys like Isaiah Wynn, who's not the biggest, who is, in my opinion, one of the top five linemen in Georgia history. But you fast forward now to losing a guy like Ben Cleveland, who when I met him when he was in high school and I was, you know, training for pro day, he looked like he was the guy going to the league and I looked like the guy going to college. <laughs> like, so it just kind of shows how how different uh, great linemen can be. It doesn't matter about the size. So I think for me, the things I look for the most is the the mentality and the leadership that you have there. Like, are you – are you one that knows what to do so you can play fast? But also, are you one that plays nasty along with that, with an attitude? But also, do you play together? And I felt like last year during the season, there were stints where they really played well together. It didn't matter if you had one guy who was incredible and made a great block, but if it, it wasn't all flowing together, if the backside wasn't sealed off, it didn't matter. Um, and I felt like they had spurts. They had moments that looked great. I mean, you have a, a really good center like Trey Hill in there kind of setting the tone. I felt like that was kind of the the game changer for them, uh, along with the size. So I think next year I'm, I'm really excited to see kind of how they transition. Um, every time you have a, tra- a center transition, it, it, it can be a question mark. Because uh, I think about 2012 when Ben Jones left and we slotted in David Andrews, and literally we, we went from Ben Jones to Ben Jones Jr. Um, so it, it worked really well. So I'm excited to see you know, kind of how they make that transition from a leadership standpoint. They have so much talent, so many guys who are coming back. You know, get it, having Jamari Salyer come back is huge. Um, but also, you just look at how the competition. You have all those five-star guys there. All you're going to do is make each other better. So I'm excited to see what they do. And I feel like having JT under center it is going to make them look even better, along with, you know, Zamir White and James Cook and those boys as well. Uh, knowing Ben Jones and knowing uh, ben, uh, David Andrews, uh, I feel like if they had heard you said Ben Jones to Ben Jones Jr., they'd have probably got mad or at least acted like they were mad because they they'd be too busy calling the other one ugly or something like that. You know, yeah. that's just kind of how they're put together. Yeah. But, uh, no, nah, they – you know, you, I think you're 100% right on that. And uh, I'm just interested to see kind of how it shakes out because, you know, Jamari makes nine starts at left tackle and then, you know, Georgia's – biggest test especially as far as an offensive line goes is week one against Clemson you wonder if they're going to kind of put a more natural guy out there at tackle in terms of what he's going to play down the road and and develop him or or are they going to try to go with the trusty 
uh, Jamari Sawyer. And, and I think that's probably what's going to, you know, obviously you guys know it's going to be decided between now and, and the start of the season. There's plenty of guys going to get an opportunity to show what they can do. Um, last thing I wanted to touch on with y'all is I think one of the more fascinating parts of former players and, uh, you know, I talked to quite a few of them. I talked to Brandon Cablano sometimes and, and, you know, and, and I have other former players that kind of text me and it's like, how are we going to be this year? How's this? How's that? Um, I wanted to ask you, what are y'all as fans? Like, how how rabid? I mean, are you yelling at the TV? Are, are you are you putting your hand in a ceiling fan, you know, when they score a touchdown on accident? Like, <laughs> like you know, what 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 is kind of y'all's role whenever you're just kind of by yourself watching a Georgia game? How how start with you, Chris? How how rabid are you? Man, uh, I grew up a Georgia fan. Uh, I military kids. So I lived all over the place up until fifth grade but from that point forward my exposure to college football was Georgia football um so I will always be a fan uh, but I will I will be completely honest with you because of the timing that was 2001 when I became a, a fan I associated Georgia football with Mark Rick um so when they moved on from Mark Rick I took that probably worse than most other people especially former players because it felt like man this isn't Georgia football anymore. Uh, but I, I have nothing but support for, for Kirby. Kirby's a great guy, um, one of the best recruiters in the game, one of the best coaches in the game. He's a guy who is proven. Um, so I know sometimes people assume that we should win a national championship every year. I think we have the talent to do it, but it's just not that easy. Um, but I would say just as a fan in current day 2021, I'm, I, I would say out of a scale of one to 10, I'm probably a six or a seven uh, as far as like my engagement and excitement for the squad. I, I just love seeing the, the red and black, seeing those boys, you know, kind of fulfill a dream the same way that Brandon and I did back in the day. And um, I'm just always excited to see how they continue to push it forward. Um, Cause that was really our goal when I got there was how can we push the, uh, the culture of Georgia football and push the prestige there forward um, from what they did in the time when I, you know, grew to love them. So I'm proud of those boys. I love watching them play. And I, I'll tell you, it depends on the game. There, certain games I'm, I'm chill. I'm like, man, it is what it is. And other days I, I feel like I want to punch a hole in the wall. So I guess it depends on how I've been feeling that week. <laughs> Florida game is the Florida game one you get get pretty hyped for 100 percent 100 percent if we're playing Florida I would like it to the to death and also my wife is she went to Florida State so she hates Florida too so anytime Florida plays anybody I'm, I'm hoping they're they're getting stomped to the ground but uh shout out to Christian Robinson I still love him <laughs> yeah, you you went out you went out with two straight Florida wins, if I'm not mistaken. So that was uh yeah three three straight three, three straight okay. yeah yeah 2011 2012 2013. That's right. Yeah, for some reason I was thinking you were gone in 2012. So yeah, that okay that 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 explains the two year difference because I knew Brandon was out in 11 and Brandon you y'all kind of got your heart broken in 10, but then one in 11 and uh, yeah. and you got to go out on top of that one. Uh, I kind of wanna I kind of wanna. Uh, modify my question a little bit for you, Brandon, because obviously the SEC network thing, but then, yeah. you know, I also remember seeing that video with you and Spencer Hall, where you guys yeah. are, you know, kind of playing the role of fans. And I feel like whether it's, you know, Kirk Herbstreet came out and said years ago, how he was rooting, you know, how he had mo the most fun watching Ohio state in the college football semifinal game before they won the national championship and how he got to be a fan. 
I feel like it's become a little bit easier for you TV guys to kind of be like, yes, I'm a fan. You know, this is who I am, but this, it's almost like it's more acceptable. So as far as fandom goes, you get a chance just naturally with work to be more engaged and to know more about what's going on. So where are you at whenever the cameras go off and you get to lock in on the television or, or be there for a game? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say is, is the fact that, like, being on TV, you know, is is kind of taught me how to tone it down or dumb it down a little bit. But it's a, it, I'd be lying if I said I'm not pissed. I'm not angry every single time by Georgia lose. I don't care if I'm on TV or not. Like, it, it's been a couple times on SEC Network where we're talking about Georgia and I say we. And then they're like, hold up, time out. We got to we gotta reshoot. Because, like, <laughs> you, you know, you're taught to be, you know, neutral. Um, but that's just never going to be, especially when you play somewhere. And I think it happens over time, you know, like you, 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 when you, when you first leave Georgia and you, you may, you know, you go to the NFL or wherever you, you're done with football, you still kind of know some of those guys on the team. So that, so that feeling is a little bit stronger because you got those relationships and you think because, you know, once it, you know, once time moves on, it's going to change. It doesn't change. Like I still get just as frustrated, um, especially in those games against like Florida or rivalry games like that, but you, you learn how to tone it down, but, but but to your point, Jake, you it is more acceptable now. You see guys like like Marcus Spears and and uh, Ryan Clark and all these people like they they talk how they want to talk about their alma mater and, and they tweet what they want to tweet. So that makes it a little bit easier because uh, it, it is hard to be neutral. It is hard to talk about Florida in a positive light after they beat Georgia or, or something like that, right? And and so um, you know there's there's ways where you can you can talk about it and, and put your opinion in there, but for the most part. They tell you to be neutral, but like it's just not a part of my personality. Like I got to get my jazz in where I can, and uh, um, I'm doing that on SEC Network regardless. Well, guys, this was a lot of fun, man. It was funny. Uh, really appreciate y'all joining me. Um, under further review, go check it out. Um, I, I know for a fact, and I hope you do too. After listening to this podcast, that these guys have a lot of good stuff to say. Uh, they're funny. They're smart. They're interesting. And uh, I'm I'm really uh, I'm I'm really excited to see where it goes for y'all and 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 just your careers in general because uh, um, you know it's it's fun to see guys do well and to kind of forge their own path and I uh, think both y'all are in great situations but I really appreciate y'all joining me and uh, that's all we got for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast everybody I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs Two Four Seven they're Chris Burnett and uh, and uh, Brandon Boykin from uh, Under Further Review and uh, we'll take you. Uh, I'll get it right in a second, but you all take it easy. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.